Hi everyone, it's Danit Shusterman here with Rifki Levy, and we are so excited to be presenting our second episode of our Rosh Chodesh podcast. We both just find this so fascinating, all the amazing, interesting things that connect to us on such a personal level that happen over the months of the year. So let's dive right in. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy. Today, we are going to be talking about Adar Bays. Adar Bays is actually the 13th month because we added in an Adar Aleph. So if we count from the month of Nisan, Adar Bays is month number 13. Now, if we take the word Echad and we count up those letters, Aleph is one, Ches is eight, and Dalet is four, that equals 13. The Ches, which is number eight, represents the Shvatim, the tribes from Rachel and Leah. The Dalid, which is number four, represents the Shvatim from Bilha and Zilpah. And the Aleph, which equals one, represents the tribe of Levi. Levi worked in the Mishkan, and they represent all of Bnei Israel. Ultimately, the word Echad, which equals 13, represents the word unity. So what does Adar Beis have to do with unity, togetherness, oneness? We also say in Adar, Adar We need to increase in our joy in the month of Adar. But what does that really mean? Increase in joy. What does that mean? Here we're dealing with achdos, with unity, with oneness. We're dealing with happiness, joy. What do these two things have to do with each other? Rifki, you shared a really great story. Let's hear it. It was 12 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, and a couple was sitting and having coffee. A friend of theirs walked in, saw them sitting there having coffee, and said to them, Wow, what a couple. Tuesday afternoon, 12 o'clock, just sitting and having coffee. You guys are so lucky. I wish my husband would do that with me. The couple who was sitting at the coffee shop later told their friend, If she would only know (laughs) what we were doing on Tuesday at 12 o'clock having coffee. Their house was going into foreclosure and the bank was right next door. They came to have a meeting to discuss what was going to be with their home and their future life. And they went to the coffee shop afterwards to discuss what they heard at the bank. We never know what's going on in other people's lives. We're now in the month of Adar. Adar is all about joy. One way to increase joy in our life is to stay focused on what's happening in our life. I personally left Instagram. I was wanting too many things that I did not know existed. And with the extra few minutes that I have, instead of going on Instagram, I just go on my own videos. And I'm like, oh, wow, I forgot we even did that. And I look at my own pictures, and that brings extra joy to my life. I love that, Rifki. And it's interesting because the word sameach, which means happy in Hebrew, you can interchange the first letter of sameach with tzameach, with the tzaddik, which means to plant. 
And happiness is a state of being when we are growing, moving, evolving. And by looking at our own lives and focusing on our own growth and our own evolvement, it brings us an automatic happiness instead of focusing on everyone else's lives. We get happy when we see the fruits of our labor, when we put our heart and our soul into something and we see the results. This brings automatic joy and automatic happiness. When we work hard on something and we see the things that we get in return, this is automatic simcha. But understanding happiness, it's also important to understand what is not happiness. Let's explore the opposite. The opposite of happy is sad. When a person is sad, it's usually because they don't have a purpose, they don't have a direction, they don't find any meaning in their lives. So now what? Rabbi Manus Friedman says that there are lots of things draining the joy from our lives, and one of them is doubt. We have a need to understand life like we have a need to breathe, and we cannot handle when life doesn't make sense. So we need to have certain things in our life that are absolutely true beyond a doubt. And when we have those things, we can get rid of our doubt and the joy of our life comes back. And one of the things that we know that is true beyond a doubt is that Hashem runs the world. And when we look at the Hashgacha Pratis in our life, we can start to see that with our own eyes and feel more safe and secure. The other day, I was asked on a Wednesday night if I can speak in someone's house on Matzei Shabbos. And I said, yes, I'm available. And then she said, okay, I'll get back to you. The next day, the woman calls me. She says, okay, great, we're on for Matzei Shabbos. So I went to the house on Matzei Shabbos. It was her birthday. And when I finished speaking, she says to me, listen to this. She said, I'm, you know, I'm having a birthday and I didn't know what I wanted to do for my birthday. I didn't want to, didn't know if I wanted to have a speaker or if I just wanted to have, you know, schmoozing. So we work in the same place. So she said, I made a deal with Hashem. She said, I told Hashem that if I see Rifki, then it's meant to be that I should ask her to speak. So I walk into school and right when I walk through the door, I see her. And she's like, hi. And I said, hi. And, you know, normal conversation. About 15 minutes later, I met her again. And then about another 15 minutes later, I met her standing by the elevator. And I thought nothing of it. I just said, oh, that's funny. We keep meeting. Now she tells me, right when I walk in, I see you. And I said, okay, Hashem, it's a sign. I'm going to call her to speak. And then 15 minutes later, she meets me again. And she says, okay, okay, Hashem, I'm going to call her. And then I met her a third time. For me, I was just meeting her randomly. I didn't know that Hashem was setting it up. And when you start to see those things like, oh, wow, like I was actually going to come 15 minutes later and put up supper before work. And something was pulling me to just go to work right away. We think we're just standing in any place at any time. But Hashem is orchestrating every single person's life. And when we can open our eyes and actually see that, and see the Ashkacha protest in our life, then we just feel more relaxed and we know that Hashem is running the world and we feel more peace of mind. So the question is, how do we apply this faith on a very practical level in our day-to-day lives? When we put in so much effort into something, 
but we don't get the results that we expected, how do we have that faith that this is all supposed to be the way Hashem has planned? I'm sure anyone listening to this right now, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, just a human being, as a parent, if you raise your kids in a certain way and they are turning into their very own individual human beings, not necessarily the way that we envision them turning out. Or as a teacher, you can prepare a whole lesson only to walk in to have one kid acting in a certain way that steers the entire lesson, not in a way that you had imagined. So yes, very often we put in so much hard work only to have the results not exactly meet our expectations. That's where the faith has to come in. When the word Eitzev, hardships, is mentioned in the Torah, it is mentioned by Adam and Chava when they ate from the Eitzadas. It says, Be'etzev Chava, in hardship she will bear children. Be'etzev on Adam, in hardship we will eat all the days of our lives. They will plant vegetables and he will get thorns. These are putting in expectations and not getting the results that we exactly wanted. And this happens all the time, which causes a disconnect between us and Hashem. It's when we do something and we, it doesn't turn out the way we thought it would. And this happens all the time. Unfortunately, this boils down to us wanting control of what's going on and what happens. And when we feel we have no control, it puts us in a state of atzvos, of sadness, depression. It's hard. So how do we achieve real happiness? What is the secret to getting through these times in our lives that are not turning out the way we pictured? In the book, In Good Hands, in a letter addressed Reish Chaydesh Adar, the Rebbe is addressing a man who wrote to him that he is suffering from a certain dread. And the Rebbe says, In these lines, I would like to stress once more that every Jew, woman or man, should be strong in his trust in Hashem. Just as every Jew believes with perfect faith that Hashem is the master of the universe, so too is he the master over life of every individual Jew, whether man or woman. And since it's certain that Hashem is good, he will certainly lead things in a good direction. We have to always remember that happiness is not something that's external. We can't depend on external things to make us happy. What does that mean? Don't think, when my kids are happy, I'll be happy. When I have the big house, then I'll be happy. When my husband does this, I will be happy. When my friend gives me that, I will be happy. We will never, ever, ever be happy if we are constantly looking outward for this happiness. We have to do our part, our internal part, and stay connected to Hashem. Understand, you know what, Hashem, I did my part. It's not turning out the way I want it to turn out, but clearly you have a plan. Clearly you have a plan. I did my part. I will continue to do my part, but the way it turns out, that is your, that's your job, Hashem. That's your part. So we want to remember that Hashem is running the world. And before 
we have an important appointment or a phone call or signing our child up to camp or anything else that's going on, take a dollar, put it in the pushka, and ask Hashem to help us. Because that is a reminder that Hashem is going to decide ultimately what is going to happen with us. And we want to just remember that at all times. The other day, it was my daughter's birthday. She turned eight. She has big dreams. She was over Shabbos looking at my older daughter's Bas Mitzvah book. And she's like, Ma, this is the type of party I want. <laughs> I'm like, sweetie, that's a Bas Mitzvah. You're turning eight. Anyway, she wanted a party. She wanted a surprise party. Okay, we're going to make it happen. So we made a whole plan, invited lots of friends and family and we, Sunday morning, we're going to go into full force planning the surprise party. So she comes home Sunday from school, and I'm thinking, she's like, Ma, what are we doing today? In my head, I'm planning your surprise party, but what am I supposed to do with this little delicious girl? And I just like, I said, Hashem, I need some help. I need some help. I, what am I supposed to do with this girl? Like, I need her out of the house so we could make these plans. A few minutes later, the phone rings. It's her friend. Hi, can I come over to play? I said, um, actually, not a good day for you to come here, but could my daughter come to you? And she said, yes. And she ended up going for a few hours and she came back. We called her when it was time to come home. We made the surprise. She was super excited. But that could have just been a random situation. Friend calls when you need her. But no, we have to open our eyes and realize that every single thing is Ashgach HaPratis. I needed a place for my daughter to go. The friend called. We don't want to take things as random. We want to open our eyes and see that every single situation that's happening in our life is exactly how Hashem wants it to be. And everything Hashem does is always good. It's so true. When we have the ability to recognize Hashem's hand in every single aspect of our lives, not necessarily will we be able to smile through pain or a laugh through sad times, but seeing that Hashem has orchestrated every single thing that is happening will give us the strength to get through it. When we remove our ego out of the situation and realize it's not about me and what I did and what I said, and it all happened because of me, and we realize that this is all about Hashem, Hashem gave us the tools to be successful. Hashem gave us the tools to be talented. Hashem connected us with the right people at the right time. When something difficult happened it is because Hashem put us in that situation and he knows we have the strength to get through it. Nothing happens by chance. We know that, but it's so important to constantly remind ourselves that Hashem is here 100% of the time, we forget a lot. But if we constantly remember, it will really, really help us get through any difficult time that we're in. We want to spread as much light in this world as possible. I recently went to an upshare in New Jersey at a kid's fun zone. And while I was there, the owner was around taking care of things and we got talking. She said she owns the place with her husband, but her husband's not here now because he's not well. I asked her if she was Jewish, and she said yes. She said she was not religious, her parents were not religious, but her grandparents were Holocaust survivors. I asked her if she wanted to light Shabbos candles in honor of her husband's health, and she said yes. 
I did not have any candles on me, but my daughter was standing right there, and she said, Ma, I have candles with the bracha in my bag. And she gave it to the woman. And the upsharing was over, and we went home. The person whose upsharing it was calls me up the next day, and she says, listen to this. She said I was like the last one to leave, and as I was leaving, I heard the cleanup crew ask the boss, what are these candles sitting on the table? Is it anyone's? Should we throw it out? And she said, no, 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 no. Those are mine. Those are very important to me. I'm going to light them. And I couldn't believe it. To me, you know, you give candles and you think, yeah, they'll light it. They won't light it. We don't realize our impact. And the fact that my daughter just had the candles in her bag was amazing because she was actually able to take the tea lights home and remember to light them. A short time later, my daughter got up in front of her school and spoke about the importance of Mephsayim and giving out candles. And she said this story and she said, girls, I didn't even have to do the talking. My mother did. I just had to give out the candle. And she said, take the candles. It was right before vacation. She said, take them, keep them in your bag. You never know when you're going to need them. And maybe your friend can do the talking, but you carry the candles. She said when she was done speaking, the girls left the room and she had left 250 candle kits on the side and every single one of them were taken. We don't know our power. We don't know our reach. All we know is that we can try our best, carry the candles, strike up a conversation with someone, ask them if they're Jewish, and we don't know how much light we can bring into this world. And what's so beautiful about that is that we're not spreading the light to get recognition for it. We're spreading the light because it's a beautiful thing to do. And that's a very huge key to happiness, that when we do things, we do it out of the goodness of our hearts. We do it because we're so happy to be doing it. We're not doing it for the outside recognition because there will never be enough recognition for us. If that is the reason we're doing it, one compliment is not enough. You need more and more. It's the classic social media example. You post a picture or you post something online and you just need more and more likes, more recognition, more comments. It's never enough, ever, and it never will be enough. If you share something, you're sharing something out of the pure goodness and beauty from within your heart, not for the response. You're sharing it out of love. You're sharing it to share the light. You're not sharing it because it's about you and your ego. And when we take that ego out, it's liberating. It's freedom. And the more light we add to the world, the more joy we bring to the world. And there is no more funner, joyous yamtif than the yamtif of Purim. Purim, we dress up in costumes. And someone once asked the Lubavitcher Rebbe, what can we learn from the custom of wearing costumes on Purim? And the Rebbe replied that on Purim, there are so many people dressed in costumes, in clowns, like animals, and some don't even know what they're dressed like of. <laughs> and the Rebbe says that in life, we meet many different types of people. Some are impatient, some are angry, some are apathetic, but that's not who they are. They are wearing costumes because deep in their heart, they are warm Jews full of purity and beauty. And we just need to interact with them with kindness 
and take off their costumes to reveal the pure neshamas inside of them. And sometimes people very close to us are wearing costumes and we want to recognize that it's just costumes. It's not who they really are. So who are we really? When a child is born, a child's natural human state is happiness. You don't need to teach a child to smile or laugh. When a child is smiling and happy, we don't ask, why are they smiling? What, what, what happened that's good? When a child is crying, we say, what's wrong? Do you need a bottle? Do you need your diaper changed? Are you tired? There's something wrong when they cry. We don't ask what's right when they're smiling and when they're happy. Why are children so naturally happy? Well, they don't have any worries or concerns or desires. They're not jealous yet. They don't have much self-awareness or self-consciousness. They're not in their own heads constantly thinking about themselves like us adults. They, uh, they don't need reasons to be happy. Children are just naturally happy. When we see an adult smiling or happy, we ask, what are you smiling about? What are you so happy about? It seems like the older we get, we need to find reasons to be happy. The older we get, the more self-absorbed we get, the more jealous we get. We start looking outwards instead of staying inwards and being thankful for what we already do have, recognizing that whatever we do have is what Hashem gave us. This is what is meant for us. Especially now in the month of Adar, we want to increase our joy. And the way we can increase our joy is to look past these costumes. And sometimes we're wearing them, sometimes other people are wearing them, and we want to work on ourselves to be more accepting, and we work, want to work on ourselves to help our loved ones work on their anger and patience, frustration, and all of that. And it doesn't take a second. We make a lot of pasta in our house. We love pasta. And I often think when I put the pasta in the water, imagine I would get angry at the pasta for not being ready so quickly. I know it takes time to boil the water and it takes time for the pasta to soften and cook. And it's the same with when we give our child love and attention and we're like, what's up? What's taking so long? Why aren't they happy? It takes time. It takes time. It takes time for our children to feel loved and safe. And we want to work on that. And when we work on our children or ourselves on a certain characteristic trait that we don't like, we cannot be impatient. Pasta doesn't cook in a second. It takes time. Be patient. Be patient and you will see beautiful results. We want to be patient with our children, ourselves, and of course, our spouse. Because a conduit to brachas is shalom bayis. In a letter from the Rebbe on shalom bayis, the Rebbe says, Peace is a vessel that contains Hashem's brachas. And since mar marital harmony is the highest form of peace, that's something that we really want to work on in our home. And so we need to stop looking for happiness outside. We need to stop looking for recognition outside. We need to recognize Hashem gave us everything we will ever need to be the most amazing person that we're meant to be. Instead of looking outside, look in the mirror. 
Look at who you are. Thank Hashem for all the gifts that he's given you and use them. Stop thinking so much. Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I enough? Do I have this? Do I not have this? Look at what you do have. Thank Hashem for it and use it. So there are so many ways that we can increase joy. And at the end of the day, it's hard. Everything is hard work. And what we want to do is try to be motivated, to be focused, to work hard towards our goal. A few years ago, there was a Hatzalah telethon and Mr. Stan Stern was collecting money. It was winding down and everybody was like kind of done giving. And he got up and he said something that I will never forget. He said, ladies and gentlemen, give a kvetch. Give a kvetch. Yeah, work a little harder. Yes, you gave the money you wanted to give. Now squeeze a little harder for something that you didn't want to give, but you're going to work on yourself to give, you know? Give a kvetch. So just when you finished working on something that you really wanted and you feel like you're not getting there or you are getting there, give a kvetch. Work hard on your trust. Work hard on your shalom bias. Work hard on your taras mishbacha. Work hard on your joy. Work hard and you will see beautiful results. Unfortunately, Mrs. Genia Morozov passed away and in a short video clip going around, this is what she said. Enjoy life. Don't wait for tomorrow. Live every moment. Do everything you want to do today. Unfortunately, she is no longer here with us. Let's live life to the fullest. We are here. We have the power and potential to live our best life. Last year, as I was packing Shalachvanis, I bought these ready-made ribbons that you pull and pull and pull that turn into a bow. And I was thinking, as I was pulling those ribbons and turning them into a bow, I was thinking, if we could push away the Yetzirah, and if we can pull in all the good things and positive thoughts and remember that Hashem is in control and takes care of us, we can have a beautiful life. May we all see open and revealed good in our lives. Welcome to the Rosh Chaydesh Nisan podcast. There's a beautiful story told with Rabbi Biederman. He was at a simcha from a big rav in Israel. And the rav says to Rabbi Biederman, you see all these people, my hundreds of grandchildren and great-grandchildren, they are all here celebrating today because of one incident. And he goes on to tell Rabbi Biederman how all these people came to be from one incident. He said, many, many years ago, when I got married, after two weeks, there was some type of dispute in the family, and my mother-in-law called me up, and she screamed, and she yelled, and she shamed, and she went on and on and on, on the phone to me, and I couldn't believe my ears. He says, I'm married two weeks, and my mother-in-law is screaming at me like this. I didn't know what to do. So he went to his Rav and he told the Rav the story about his mother-in-law calling and the Rav asked him a question. The Rav said, did you tell anyone about this story? 
No, I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell my mother. Good, the Rav said. It was a dream. The story never happened. He's like, what do you mean? He said, you didn't tell anyone. No one knows. It's a dream. Just make believe it was a dream and continue on with your life. And so he decided to listen and he called it a dream. He did not tell his mother. He did not tell his wife. He did not tell anyone. About two weeks later, the mother-in-law calls him up on a Tuesday afternoon and says to him, listen, I am so, 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 so sorry. I really want to apologize. I hope you forgive me for me screaming at you. And the Rav is like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, you don't remember what happened? He's like, I don't know. Maybe it was a bad dream. She's like, you don't remember that I screamed and yelled at you? He's like, I do not remember the story. And he says to the mother-in-law, I'm not a goody-goody from Yerushalayim. So do you think that if this story would have really happened, my wife would have told you something, my mother would have told you something, someone would have someone would have found out and told you. And the mother-in-law is like, you know what, I actually just met your mother and she didn't say a word. And this rabbi is saying that he doesn't know if she believed him, that it was a dream or it wasn't a dream. But the bottom line is, he said, they moved on. And he said that if he would not have gone to the Rav, and the Rav would not have given him this advice, that it was a dream and to just move on and don't tell anyone, he said, I would have gone to the Basin, got a divorce, goodbye, I'm not sticking around. But because he went to the Rav and this whole incident happened, he considered it a dream and he went on to Bizaycha to have 20 children and hundreds of grandchildren and great-grandchildren.